Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says, the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of The Hog Talk. Help us get our message out by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform. Once you've subscribed, be sure to share with all of your fellow hog fans on social media. Yo, welcome to The Hog Talk Podcast, powered by the Yellow Jacket Drive-In. I'm Ty Hudson from the Picture Network YouTube channel. With me, my PIC partner in crime, Mr. Jacob Scott Davis from the hogpin.net. Sir, I hope all is well. Man, I'm doing good. I'm full. Uh, I'm doing really good. I'm ready to go tonight. Yeah, you ate dinner. I'm still waiting to eat. I'm going to I'm going to cook up some chicken here in a minute. I'm really excited about that. So, we need to we need to move this along fast, right? So the quicker I can get to dinner. Let's go with it. I I, I don't like being hungry either. The hanger is real. You need a Snickers right now. It is. You're right. That's a real thing. Hangers for real. So uh, later on, we are going to have Otis Kirk from hogville.com. If you're not familiar with that, you need to go check it out. All that content there is free, message board, all of it. Nothing nothing hidden behind any paywalls or anything like that. And every once in a while, he's also on the, he's also on the uh, Pig Trail Nation. So if he sounds familiar, you probably heard him there. But so we will have him on later, and he is going to talk about something we're going to talk about here, and that's our very first topic, which is the tenth commitment for this upcoming class. Four-star defensive end Blaine Toll, Jacob. I want you to talk about him. Let everyone know who doesn't know a little bit about about Blaine Toll. Again, I know we're going to talk. Otis Kirk's going to talk about him later, but since it is the biggest thing to happen this week, Jacob and I are going to touch up on it. So. Uh, Jacob, the floor is all yours, sir. Hey, guys. So, Blaine Toll, he's a guy that Arkansas didn't offer initially coming out of, I mean, going into this 2020 class. It kind of took a long time to get that offer going. The guy, 6'5", 244, has offers from like LSU, Tennessee, Auburn. I think even Penn State offered him. Baylor offered him. This kid, he's such a freak athlete. For a guy that's 6'5", 244, I'm surprised that Arkansas didn't offer him earlier. I guess what's holding him back was that he was a two-player, a 2A player in a small conference and just wasn't getting any recognition, you think about it. I mean, back for a few years, you had Jamario Bell, who's currently on the roster, and Byron Jones, that was back in the 2009 or 2010 class. Both of those guys were from Junction City, Arkansas. Uh, for all my Union County folks, let's go. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, Blaine Toll, he's a two-way athlete. So, I mean, a lot of the attention probably was taken away from him in, because he plays in a smaller conference. 
But, I mean, the guy's got skills. He looks like Tarzan. Let's just hope he plays like that way, too. I mean, the guy's 16 years old. Uh, I mean, he's he's a stud. And it's like you said earlier, I mean, looks like Peyton Hillis. He does. He looks like Peyton Hillis' little brother. He doesn't look like a he doesn't look like a sixteen year old at all. He's uh, he's he looks his facial features. He looks like Peyton Hillis, and like you said, he looks like Tarzan. Look, I didn't even have a beard when I was in high school. I didn't grow a beard until I got married. (laughs) This guy, he's sixteen years old and already has a a full grown beard and like muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. And I mean. I'm not just gushing about a guy, but this guy, he just looks like a full-grown man. He looks like he's 24 already. I mean, if he if he looks like this already, just I, I can't imagine what he does to guys on the 2A level, like Hulk smash. I I would legit like to go watch him play because, you know, I have seen some film on him, and he does look – you know, he plays – I don't know if it's with a chip on his shoulder or not, but he certainly – he manhandles people. And oh, – yeah. Pushes them out of the way. I, I I don't know if it's true or not, but supposedly he squats like 450 plus. Bench presses, uh, I think, north of or around 300 pounds. I'm not entirely sure. You know those numbers change a lot. But he he does. He certainly looks like Tarzan. I hope he plays like it as well. Yeah, he he's a big-time athlete out of Hazen High School. Um, but you, you think about it. You go back, all these 2A athletes, some pan out and some just don't. I mean, Traylon Burks played at 4A. The guy just dominated competition. Um, let's see here. Uh, Zach Williams, he was 4A. Malik Chavis at 2A. He, uh, 2A Rising. Marcus Miller at 4A Warren. Some of these guys that, that did sign with Arkansas throughout the past couple of classes. I mean, these guys were at smaller schools, but they ended up being able to come in and, and look like studs. And that's what I'm really looking at right now is can Blaine Toll be an impact player at Arkansas? That's the question. I mean, obviously, like we said, looks like looks like a stud. I mean, like I was saying on the 2A level, uh, Gary Bohannon out at Rural Arkansas ended up going to Baylor, though. Um, Billy Farrell, he's out of 2A, Fordyce. I think they were 3A at the time of PM committing. He's no longer with the team, though. Signed with Arkansas at a high school. Uh, Ladarius Bishop out of 4A Ashdown. There's so many guys that that were in these smaller schools. Some pan out, some don't. You just don't know. But like me and you had in our conversation earlier, where Blaine Toll goes to these camps and just looks like a stud. Uh, some of the video you share on your YouTube channel, Picture of Network, there, there's this Blaine Toll kid just looks really good on tape. And does it translate to, to success at the college level? I don't know. But he's a big get, uh, number one player in the state. So you, you best bet he's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. He's got to prove it. Well, the, you know, it's funny you mentioned that about the video that I did. I had people in my comment section mention that, you know, he didn't look all that great in that film or in that, that little highlight reel. You got to keep in mind, these are other kids that are highly recruited that are at these camps. These aren't These aren't like, you know, two A Arkansas players that he's faced up against. These are guys that that come from, who knows, probably even bigger divisions out of their state. And so there's there's footage out there. If you watch his highlight reel, he does look pretty impressive. I'm I'm usually I'm a realist. I, I'm not. I am a glasses half full kind of guy, but I'm also a realist. I think he's got potential at the University of Arkansas for sure. I, I don't know if he's going to be someone who comes in. Probably red shirts. I feel like he'll probably end up red shirting just because of the depth. 
that they filled in along the defensive line. I think it's gonna it's probably gonna take a couple years before he sees the field. But I am pretty high on him. And Otis Kirk, you know, we already talked to him, and of course that's gonna be for later in the segment when we put this all together. But you know, Otis Kirk really likes him too, and and a lot of people who follow Arkansas recruiting and and. Uh, national recruiting have all kind of said the same thing that he's he not only looks the part but at least in, in Arkansas high school he plays the part so yeah and you get these guys who play in smaller division of football in Arkansas and they don't pan out and if you look at someone like Ty Story the guy was a four-star out of Charleston yeah and yep. you know it's, it's that's not exactly 7a west football that's not the you know the upper echelon of football in the state of Arkansas and he didn't pan out so, but we've seen the reverse where these kids who come from lower divisions and don't have the star power, don't have the recognition come in and do, you know, great. So, uh, but I agree, you know, again, later Otis will touch up on this more, but I think he's going to be someone who a couple of years down the road will start to, you know, provide Arkansas with some production along the defensive line. So right. I agree. good stuff there about, about Blaine Toll. Again, he's the 10th commitment of this class, and he's the second total defensive lineman commitment. I, I don't know, and I'm asked this quite a bit, I don't know what the magic number is as far as the amount of players that they want to recruit along the defensive line. But it's a good place to start with who they have committed so far. Moving on, and this is more your deal. This is more something that you had mentioned on your social media about coaches from year one to year two, how much how much they improved from year one to year two. So I'm going to let you talk about that, and I'll just, you know, I'm going to listen along with the audience. I want to hear you talk about this because I found this fascinating, just talking about, you know, the, the, the improvement from year one and all the issues you have with year one moving into year two. And so the floor is all yours, Jacob. So I'm talking about – I was curious last night as to what coaches did in their first year compared to their second year. Frank Broyles, the longtime athletic director at Arkansas, he he said if a coach doesn't win by year two, that most of the time they're not going to run, uh, they're not going to pan out. He said he didn't say most of the time. He said they're not going to pan out. So you look at guys that that came in in year one, didn't really necessarily light the world on fire, but by year two they were they were looking like winners. Take Petrino for instance. People weren't just loving Petrino's style of ball early on because they were playing Western Illinois and ULM early on. They had, get this, four freshman wide receivers and a big-time tight end that was a freshman, along with Casey Dick that was their quarterback. And they didn't set the world quite on fire. Uh, they went 5-7. and seven. They, they eked out wins over uh, Western Illinois and ULM by like two or three points, and then they go and get shellacked by Texas, lose – uh, I think it was forty-nine to fourteen to Alabama at home. They lost thirty-one to seventeen against Florida at home. I mean, the first half of that season, Arkansas was fit, sitting like two and six or two and four, and then they beat Auburn, and then they beat uh, LSU later on to get their second conference win. But I mean, honestly, Arkansas could have been two and ten that year as well in two thousand two thousand eight. But they ended up going five and seven, two and six. But the next year, Ty, they went eight and five, three and five in conference. That team could have been, like we said uh, with War Machine a couple of weeks ago, that team could have been a ten win team. Yeah, and I'm looking at that second year. They started off against Missouri State, who that you know, I mean, come on, it's Missouri State. They shellacked them forty eight to ten. They lost a couple of games to a, an okay Georgia team. Then obviously they went on the road against Alabama. But something I look at, they beat Texas A and M. 47 to 19 in year yep, two. I remember that. 
Now I don't I don't know. Obviously I don't I don't have a crystal ball. I don't see Arkansas doing that this year, and they're far better than what they were back when they were you know still in the Big Twelve. You know they recruit better once they. It's funny how that works out. Before they join the SEC, they are kind of a mediocre recruiting program and you know kind of a mediocre Big Twelve program. Then they come to the SEC and A and M just recruits their rear end off. It just shows you what right. the SEC what the SEC can do for you. But yeah, Arkansas year two, like you said. Huge improvement, night and day, far better than what they were year one. Year one, they're barely beating teams. They really, like you said, they really could have gone. I don't know about two and ten, maybe, but they four and eight. I would guess, looking at their looking at these scores and remembering those games, that's not too much better than what Arkansas did year one with with Chad Morris. So it kind of gives you hope a little bit as far as that you know what they can do this year in year two. Yeah, and then you look at the Brett Bielema year. They go three and nine his first year. And then seven and six the next year, you think about back to 2013. I mean, Arkansas, again, got shellacked by South Carolina, Alabama, and Florida in three straight weeks. Uh, I think the combined losses were almost 100, 113 to seven, I think was the, the combined score. One, no, it may have been 14. I think it was 113 to 14. Somewhere around there. And Arkansas, they were sitting at, at three wins and, and four losses going into the final stretch. And they they ended up giving giving up late leads against Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and of course LSU. They could have been a bowl eligible team that year. They also gave up a lead to Rutgers in their first year. I mean, also they they could have lost to Sanford in Little Rock in 2013. So so they could have been two and ten, three. I mean, they of course they went three and nine. They could have been they could have been on the other hand, uh, seven six or seven win team. Next year. Uh, everybody gets excited because the defense was just amazing in the final uh, four games of the season, maybe five games of the 2014 season, where where Arkansas they they had close loss after close loss, and, and the one point loss at, uh, against Alabama, and the the uh, heartbreak loss against Texas A&M, and in Arlington after Sam Irwin Hill returns that punt. You know, the second year they were close to being a ten win team as well. And that they they were they were very close, and then they at the end they they whooped LSU seventeen nothing, then Ole Miss thirty to nothing with a one hundred yard interception return for Rohan Gaines for a touchdown, and then they lost by six to Missouri on the road in the first battle line rivalry game. Oh gosh, I get tired of hearing that commercial. Um, and then and then you go and you stomp Texas in the Texas Bowl right in their backyard in Houston. So. So that that there, you you obviously thought, okay, Arkansas are seven and six. They were close to breaking through and being major contenders in the SEC. Ended up not being that way uh, into year three, and then you had uh, uh, Coach Hatfield, who was seven four and one and five and three in his first season. Then the next year they go ten and two. You think Frank Broyles, who was four and six, and at that time Arkansas was a pretty respected program under uh, uh, right as as Frank Broyles became the head coach. But they, they go four and six, and they were basically calling for him to be fired. He didn't deserve to be there. He was only a coach at a major college football program for one year at Missouri before coming to Arkansas. But the guy ended up turning around and going and winning the Cotton Bowl the next year, which was at the time the biggest bowl of bowls uh, for teams in the Southwest Conference. So, uh, and then the final guy I'm going to talk about is Houston Nutt. I mean, yeah, he won big his first year, and the second year he kind of took a step back, but but the biggest thing here that I want to state is every single coach in their second year of this list that I had 
all won bowl games in their second year. Yeah. Does Chad does Chad Morris do that? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball in front of me. But there's obviously history's all on Chad Morris's side. Yeah, and and of course Houston Nuts win was extra special because he beat Texas twenty seven to six. Yeah, you know, and, and Texas was a top fifteen program. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It, 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 we're we're trying to illustrate or trying to paint a picture that there is the possibility, and I think there's even a path for Chad Morris and these Razorbacks to make a bowl game year two. I'm not I'm not going to give my reveal as far as the exact amount of wins and losses until probably August, probably the week before. That's what I did last year, the week before the season started. So I'll probably do that. But if you've listened to me enough, either here on the channel, I, I think Chad Morris's year two is still going to be a bit more challenging. And every coach and in, in all those set of circumstances are always different. And with Chad Morris, you could probably argue that he had far less on his plate than those coaches that we mentioned. But Brett Bielema's first year, and I know that's a, you know, it's like talking about Lord Voldemort for you Harry Potter fans out there. Like, you're not supposed to, he, he shall not be named. I know that's a, a, a name that no one likes because of the way things ended. But he still had that, like Jacob said, had a huge turnaround in year two. If Brett Bielema can do it, you don't think Chad Morris can maybe do it? I, I think so. I think it, I think the possibility is there. And I will say this. I agree with people who say that the path, I'm not saying that they do, but the path is there for them to make a bowl game. Their non-conference schedule, thanks to Michigan dropping out, you know, is that much easier. Yes. Last, last year it was easy, and they lost games they shouldn't have lost. But that's year one. Those things just happen, especially, <laughs> unfortunately, lately in Arkansas, that's just, it's, it's just what happens. So nothing you could do about it. But year two – with the recruiting class, with these guys coming in, with stability at the quarterback position, you hope the offensive line and the line of scrimmage, you, you hope protection and, and they can open up gaps. So you hope all that works out. And if they do, I think I think they have a legitimate possibility of making a bowl game year two. I'm not I'm, again. I'm not saying how many wins or losses I think, but I do. I, I agree with you, Jacob. I think that there is a path there, and it's happened before. I, now, obviously, you and I are a bit too young for the Frank Broyles era and how all that began, but you could see the difference that Broyles had from one year to the next. And no, we are not comparing Chad Morris to Frank Broyles, but again, we're just showing you or just trying to explain that it is possible. It is. It has happened. Again, he, Frank Broyles goes four and six year one, two and four in the Southwest Conference, turns around to go nine and two, five and one in the Southwest Conference. Right. That's not the SEC. So, I get it, but that's still, I don't know, that's pretty yeah. impressive. Back in its day, it was impressive. So we got a, a little bit of Twitter fan feedback here on this thread. Uh, Kel Marie 2003, uh, 2003 says, I was optimistic last year and that, that didn't get me too far, so I'm going 5-7 and seven this year in hopes that I'm disappointed, or I'm not disappointed, counting on just one conference win, and I really like it to be Mizzou. Heck, I hope, I hope we beat the brakes off Mizzou. What are your thoughts there? I can't believe I'm going to say this when they joined the conference and I realized the timing was just bad for Arkansas, but when they joined the conference, the, the idea that Mizzou would have this kind of success that they've had against Arkansas just was, I don't know. I just didn't think it was possible. Yeah. And that's not, it's not that I think Arkansas is this, you know, I'm not trying to be a, a, uh, a homer at all, but it just didn't seem like Mizzou would come in and, and start off as strong as they did. And then on top of that, beat Arkansas as much as they have. Yeah. I just didn't see it happening. And, and it is. And Arkansas has sunk. There's no doubt. This is, <laughs> I feel like we're Debbie downers here, but there's no doubt. This is probably the worst period. These last 
what, two years that Arkansas football has ever seen. And Mizzou was on the up when they come in. So I don't, I don't know if it's – I don't know. It would be great to see them get – if they got one conference win, obviously you'd shoot for the moon and say, like, Alabama get a huge upset. That's not – I just – I don't see that happening. No, but not at all. But if I could pick, it would either it would come down between LSU. Well, I don't know. I say that A uh, and M fans drive me crazy. I uh, I'd probably actually prefer to beat A and M over Mizzou <laughs> yes. or even LSU. To be honest with you, at least LSU fans are funny when they diss me. A and M fans are just boy. They they come wow. through my YouTube channel and they are brutal. They are uh, they don't play by the rules, man. But yeah, I I if I had to pick, I'd like to see them. I'd like to see them beat A&M yeah. or, or obviously any of those teams. But uh, is it a possibility? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Mariella, there's there's some people that were commenting their uh, predictions right now. Just I'm not going to give my prediction. I know you're not either. But here's some th- uh, some of what people are saying. Mary Earl says three and nine. Matt from Fayetteville, Alaska, six and six, two and six. Cash Reeves says six and six. Clinton Williams, who is an avid Hog Talk follower here on Twitter, he says six and six, having a competent quarterback is going to be huge. Fark says five and seven, two and six. I'm thinking that we lose one of the non conference games, but win two wait, SEC games. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say fart? Fark, F A R Q. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. That's an interesting name, but okay. Uh, David Voss, seven and six. Hogfan22 says seven and five. And then uh, another story for another day, NMD TV out of Miami says head coach Chad Morris. He's a great recruiter, good OC. As head coach, I don't think he's y'all's guy. And I, I tweeted back and I said, you think so? And he hasn't texted back yet. So uh, that's a little bit of the uh, fan feedback that we got last night on that. Uh, not trying to get a little bit of feedback on what their records might be, but just to, just to show there is proof in the pudding that Arkansas could be better. It's happened before, but again, there are different set of circumstances, and we just have to wait and see. The recruiting, you know, it takes more than one recruiting class to get things turned around, especially when you consider what he took over, and uh, it's going to take a little while, and, and right. you know, we'll just have to wait and see, but I, I, it was a good topic, and I, it was really cool to see all the feedback and the interaction from the fans on that topic. Yes. So after the break here, guys, we're going to be in studio with Otis Kirk of Hogville.com. You're not going to want to miss this portion of the segment. He goes into detail about recruiting and everything else you need to know about Razorback football coming up this 2019 season. Razorback Nation, welcome back to the Hog Talk podcast. Uh, In this portion of the segment, we have a hog recruiting, I guess you could call him coordinator from Hogville, Otis Kirk. How you doing, sir? Doing great. And excited to have you on. Uh, first time, first time caller, long time listener, we could say. Yeah, well, hey, I, I appreciate you guys asking me on. I mean, it's it's fun to talk, you know, different uh, different uh, places about the Razorbacks, and you know, everybody's Razorback fans. So you know that listens to this, I'm sure. So it's good to talk it, and I enjoy it, and. I appreciate you guys asking me on. Yeah. Right. Uh, last week we had Chandler Morris on, and and Ty Ty wasn't able to be in on this, but man, it was a great interview. Had a great time with him, and I think Ty had something to ask you about Chandler. Well, yeah, we know that uh, right before he committed to Arkansas, he got that fourth star, and 
on on my channel, I get a lot of people asking me, you know, is he worth those four stars? And, and you know, just kind of my my thoughts on on evaluating and what what highlight films I've watched of Chandler, what I think, and I I think he's worth it. But I'm going to ask you uh, your thoughts on Chandler, and and uh, you know, from here on out, is, do you feel like he's worth those four stars, or maybe maybe we're a little uh, maybe we're a little too star power hungry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm sorry. Go ahead. As you said, do you feel like he's worth those four stars? Because I I do, and I'm curious what you have to say about it. No, I definitely do. I, and here's why: I'm big on the uh, dual threat quarterback because I don't think there's anything breaks down a defense faster than a dual threat quarterback. Because and where Chandler is his best is when he's rolling out, you know, and he's putting applying pressure to the defense, and he can when he rolls out, you know, he can throw it, he can run with it, he can pull it down, you know, and he or he can drop it off to a back out of the backfield or a tight end, you know, maybe not running shorter pattern or something. So no, I think Chandler is definitely. I think it's a great get. I mean, I mean, anytime you have a quarterback situation, people go, always love the backup quarterback, no matter who it is, you know. And so th- th- there's always going to be some criticism, you know. There's a risk. I mean, when you're a head coach and you're coaching your son, you're, you're a quarterback, he's the quarterback, I, that's gonna, that's, that could be a tough situation. But I, I think Chandler Morris was a good get for, Chan, uh, for Chad, and uh, I think he's definitely a four-star prospect. I, I look at what he does, and he led, uh, you know, Highland Park to the state championship. He, uh, But I just – I'm big on the dual-threat quarterback because I just think if you've got a quarterback who can't throw – or a quarterback who can't run, it makes your offense pre- predictable from that position in the fact. Now, it doesn't mean you can't win with that because Tom Brady's won a lot of games being one-dimension quarterback with the New England Patriots. But I, I think in college, having a dual-threat quarterback really puts pressure on the defense, and I love that aspect of it. And I think Chandler will do a great job at Arkansas, and I think he's definitely, definitely worthy of the four stars. You know, and that's that's some good stuff. I, I appreciate that, Otis. I, th- I think what's interesting is this will be back-to-back classes, again, assuming Chandler signs with Arkansas. Back-to-back classes where they've signed four-star dual-threat quarterbacks. Yeah, there's no doubt that's, uh, that's the direction that they're moving with the offense. I mean, I know they've got Ben Hicks and, and uh, uh, Nick Starkle. And those guys are going to probably be the top two quarterbacks this year, I think, without a doubt. But I think in the future, you're seeing more and more and more of Chad. That's the type quarterback. That, that's what he had at Clemson, you know. Uh, and uh, that's what he wants. And and be able to get two like that, I think that that's what you're going to see in the future is those type guys. I think even John Stephen could be considered a dual threat, you know. And uh, But uh, – yeah, I, I this that was big getting uh, getting KJ last year and then getting Chandler this year because that that allows Chad to use the entire uh, arsenal in his offense. I guess is for lack of a better word. I mean, it uses allows him to to call all aspects of the plays that he wants to use the entire offense there. Yeah. Um... I couldn't agree more. I think it's the quarterback position you feel like after the last couple of years of what we've seen, they've really upgraded. Obviously, that was the Brett Bielema era, and now we're in the Chad Morris era. And I I feel a lot better about where they're, where they're projecting at the quarterback position. Uh, moving on, this will be my last question, then Jacob will have his. Uh, 
moving forward to the 20, this last class, the 2019 class, who do you feel like is most likely of all those, of all those guys they picked up in that class is more likely to, to have the biggest impact on the field this year? Well, I think I think you start on the offense. It's, let's go for the offense first. I think you look at Trey Knox. You're looking at Traylon Burks. You're looking at you know TQ Jackson. You're looking at uh, Shamar Nash, and then of course at tight end, you're looking at uh, Hudson Henry. I think Myron Cunningham on the offensive line is a definite uh, starter. Right? Whether it's at tackle, whether it's at guard. Um, I think Amante Spivey will see some action at tailback, but I really like those four wide receivers, the tight end Hudson Henry, and then, of course, the uh, the uh, uh, offensive lineman Myron Cunningham. I would like to see KJ, if possible, uh, play the four games in red shirt like Connor and John Stephen did last year. Uh, one thing, I mean, I, I guess when you're talking about this class, you, you I, I guess I should include Ben Hicks and Nick Starkle because technically they're in that 2019 class. But I think it's obvious they're going to – those are going to be the guys that you're hanging your hat on early in the, in, in the season. If it goes well, it'll probably be the two guys you hang your hat on most of the season but or all the season. But, uh, but just including the high school guys more or less and, and you know, and stuff. But – those four receivers in Hudson, and of course the JUCO guy Myron Cunningham. Um, on defense, I think I think you're going to see a chance for all those defensive linemen. Uh, I think Matthias Soli is going to be a big time player in the future at Arkansas. I think Devin Bush and Gregory Brooks, the two corners that came in early. I think Greg Brooks may end up starting at the nickelback. Um, I think he's that good. Um, I think Devin Bush has a great future at the corner. Um, you know, at linebacker Zach Zemus, we'll see how much of an impact he makes, but I think he's definitely a player that's going to help a lot. And then, like I said, on the defensive line, I think you look at all those guys and I, I we'll see how many, who emerges there. I think two or three of those guys will emerge, you know, uh, this season. And, uh, you know, you got Soli, you got, uh, you know, you just got some guys that went through spring, like Zach Williams and stuff. So I think all those guys have a chance. Like Colin Clay didn't go through spring. The two kids, you know. Oh, and by the way, Jalen Catalan at safety. I'm sorry, I forgot all about him. I don't know how, but uh, that's the only player Chad Morrison is one of the five best high school players he's ever seen play in his life. So I, I think Jalen Catalan at safety is another guy. I'm doing this without a cheat sheet, so I'm doing it off the top of my head. But uh, I definitely don't want to forget Jalen Catalan because. But I think his two buddies on the defensive line, I think those are guys that can – or ain't going to be in the big slot. Cause that, I, I think out of those seven or eight defensive linemen, I think three or four of those will play this year and have an impact. I, I think there's going to be some of those really emerge. So we'll see who they are. And I think you'll know after a couple, three weeks of spring of uh, fall ball, but, you know, preseason practices and stuff. Yeah. I like that. So uh, real quick. Uh, the latest commitment for the Razorbacks in the 2020 class is Blaine Toll. Uh, his, obviously, uh, Tabitha Toll, who uh, we follow on Instagram, Facebook, and, and all social media, she loves the Hawks. And was Blaine ever going to waver his uh, waver his in-state loyalty, or was he always 100% hog the whole time? No, I think there was at one point where I thought, you know, everybody thought OU was probably going to get him. But I never – 
I never really thought he'd leave the state. I, I thought at one point, you know, OU may be a factor for him. But it got to the point that, uh, you know, there were, he was. I think he was a little upset that Arkansas waited so long to offer him. But, uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they offered him, and he had a chance to play for him. Plus, Steve Caldwell and uh, Mark Smith did a great job recruiting him, selling the program. And, uh, and then he came up here and had a visit. Got to see everybody, but I think deep down he always wanted to be a hog. Now I'm not saying he was always going to be one, but deep down he really always wanted to be a Razorback. And as you said, his mom there, Tabitha, she just uh, really was high, uh, was really wanting to be a Razorback. And you know, a lot of people didn't realize, but his brother is a policeman here in Fayetteville. And, uh, and so, you know, that gives them both their sons up in Northwest Arkansas. And so I think that, uh, uh, I think Blaine is going to be, you know, there's people wonder about him coming from a small school. I don't think that matters. I, I may, you may take you a little bit longer. I'm not saying will on him, but it might take you a little bit longer to adjust to the speed of the game, you know, and stuff. But I think that's forever freshman. But I do know he went to some combines and competed against national people and really, you know, like the Army Combine and Nike and stuff, and really got high honors there and, and really got recognition. And 26 schools offered him. Much is made about beating Tennessee and Oklahoma to get him. But, you know, he had offers to t- uh, LSU, uh, Auburn, uh, Penn State. I mean, he had offers from a bunch of schools. That, so he had several options. It wasn't just the five schools that he narrowed it down to and then cut it to three. It was He had a ton of options. And he's a good player. Uh, Six five, six six, two close to two fifty. Um, wants to play defensive end, plays quarterback. Some you know Hazen, you know, and led them to a state runner up finish. But uh, and uh, they lost a lot of players from last year's team. But I I talked to him about this, and I think they've got a chance to be right back there this year, simply because of him. And then he's got some good. They've got good skill position players coming back too. So it's gonna be fun to see them play. I want to see them early in the season. But yeah. Blaine's going to do a good job at Arkansas, a great job. And, and I'm, you know, I, he, he's the type of kid you pull from. Good family. And uh, I think he made a good decision for himself. And uh, we'll see how it works out. But I think it'll work out great. Good deal. Got a couple more things here, Otis, for you. Uh, Ty wanted to ask about the linebacker position. What's the future there after missing out on a couple, maybe three last year? Yeah. What are we looking at? The most, the biggest emphasis on our shows here lately has been the linebacker. What's the future recruiting for them? Well, that's where they've got to really hit a home run in this class, and they, it's got to be. You know, they Chad came in last year and took the numbers on the offensive line and really got them up by signing several players. That's why Arkansas's got. They've got to sign three or four or five player linebackers in this class, and I, I think really a lot of it starts in Tennessee. You've got uh, John Chavis over there. Uh, you know, Aaron Moore's a kid from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, uh, Oakland High School. Good. Uh, I think he's pretty good friends with Trey Knox. He knows him, really respects his game. Uh, Aaron's going to be here for the picnic on the 26th of July. Uh, Martavius French and uh, Bryson Eason are two kids from Memphis Whitehaven. They're going to be here at the same time. Uh, those are big-time players. Uh, and then there's a Drew Francis from Knoxville. So, I mean, there's four kids from Tennessee that Arkansas is very much on, especially those first three I mentioned. And then also, I think what you're going to see 
I think eventually you're going to see Arkansas probably try to get three or four of these high school kids and then go for an older junior college linebacker. Or I said junior college, older linebacker. It may not be JUCO. It could be graduate transfer, you know. So, I mean, they tried that route with the kid from Butler who ended up at Texas this year. But I, I think there's some linebackers. I think you're going to see them really hit linebacker hard in this class. As I said earlier, they only signed one last year, Zach Zemo, and they really got to get the numbers up there. You're going to lose D. John after this year. and uh, But uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch them uh, see if they hit their target in, in linebacker in this class. Because I don't think that I don't think linebacker is a is a need as much as I think it's a necessity. I mean, I think it's a need, but I think it goes, I guess what I'm trying to say, it goes far beyond a need. It goes to necessity. They've got, it's, it's similar to the line numbers last year. You've got to hit some numbers and talent at linebacker. you got to get some kids that can come in here and play immediately and get numbers at that position and get, get the numbers up there because they're down. And Coach Chavis, I think, will do it in this class. Talk about the 2021 class for a minute that's coming up in the, in the state of Arkansas. I've tabbed it as probably one is going to be an underrated class. Maybe they have some generational uh, generational talent coming in, uh, like a Colin James. And can you touch, touch on some of those guys for us real quick? Well, I, I like him a lot. I really do. I, I like – uh, Colin, I think he, you know, he he came up here and he ran a four seven laser forty. It wasn't what he wanted to run. He ran faster than that down Little Rock at the combine down there. But he's fast, and you know, I think he's got two years, and he's going to work. He's going to work hard. Kid's very smart, very good running back. Drake Norwood is another kid that's extremely smart. That I that I went down to Northside. Oh, maybe what two months ago, interviewed him and did a story on him and got to know him and everything. And he's he's very intelligent kid, very smart. His cousin. Uh, Trey Norwood started for OU as a true freshman. I think Drayden's going to be a better player than Trey was, and I thought Trey was a very good player. You know, you don't go to Big 12 or to OU and start a freshman and not be a good player, and I think Drayden's going to be better than he was. Um, you know, there's there's just a bunch of kids. There hasn't been that many offers in the state in that class. I'll I tell you, uh, maybe a little bit of Homer coming out at me, but Mason Brotherton from Mina is a kid that uh, I absolutely love. I, I I graduated with his uncle, went worked for his grandfather for a while, and uh, and uh, he looked good. He came to the yeah, it's elite camp. Uh, there was five camps in one week, so I get him. <laughs> it was the elite camp that he was at recently. Showed great hands out there at tight end. He didn't drop any balls that he got to. Uh, got speed. Got some offers. Got Memphis, you know, and uh, and a couple other offers. And uh, he, he's. Kid, I really like. I think that whole class that tied ends. You know, you got the kid at Harbor, you got Aaron Outley at uh, Little Rock Parkview. You've got some players at, at that position in that class, and then uh, you know, it's just going to be. I still think that is a very good class. I mean, I know there hasn't been as many offers in that class, but I think there will be, and I think you'll see kids really start to get more. As there are going to be a lot of people watching them early in the season, and these kids sending out highlight tapes early in the season, you know, is going to be important for these prospects because that's when they're going to start getting offered. And you're going to see, I think that's that class will have it, some good players in it, just like the rest of them do. Oh, yeah. So, uh, real quick, you you joined Hogville how many years ago? Uh, just last uh, July the 27th was. 
and and you've changed up a lot of things. You you've turned in Kirk's Corner for your recruiting coverage. It's all free. Tell us a little bit. How'd you get started in that? Well, you know, I mean, Lanny and I had talked for years about possibly working for him, and then, uh, you know, right? I'm sorry, it was June the 27th. I went to work July the 1st for them last year, but anyway, I, I it was something I really wanted to do, and uh, you know, I. I I was at Hogs 24-7, and they moved me to covering nine other schools and outside the state, like Southern Cal, Clemson, UCLA, and stuff. Teams really I didn't have a whole lot of interest in. Oh, it was interesting to do that, but it wasn't something I wanted to do long term. And so I, I talked to Lanny, and, you know, he worked with uh, with uh, KNWA, and they finally put together a package to uh, – offer me we were waiting to see what the offer was and it was something that i jumped at and it's yeah, it's great first you don't have to worry about being behind a paywall you don't have to worry about well, do i make this free do i make this vip you know because right now everything's free i mean that's good and and you can just write it you working for lanny beavers and jason carroll and those guys and drew Ammon, and all those guys everybody it's been awesome and uh it's just lanny made it happen and uh i'll be forever grateful to him and because uh, it's it's allowing me to do something I really want to do. I mean, you know, somebody might look at you, go from CBS to Hogville, you know, I'm sure there was jokes, you know, but hey, I was never about prestige or all this other stuff anyway. I mean, that never mattered to me. I had chances to be on TV a long time before that and I would pass it to somebody else I was working with. I've never really cared about all that I just believe if you do good work, you'll get recognized for what you do. People will recognize it. If you don't, people will see through any fake stuff you do. So I don't worry about all that other stuff. I just like to work. I get, uh, you know, you know, I'm getting paid to do what I love to do and what I know to do. And, uh, I'm very happy where I'm at. I've, you know, I mean, I've had job offers in the last month to go somewhere else to a to a pay site and to a pay behind a paywall and stuff and for name a national name and i don't want to do that i didn't want to do it and so you know i mean i'm happy where i'm at and this is something i wanted to do and if it was only about prestige then i would definitely be looking at something else but that's not what it's about and when i and for me hogville you know, they may say, well, there's some bad posters on it. Look, there's got a lot more posters, and there's a lot more traffic on that board because it's free. But they also got a lot of great posters on there, and I've really encountered very little bad. It, look, when they lose football games or basketball games and stuff, they're sure it's negative. But yeah, I've worked for all the sites, all of them, Scout, Rivals, uh, uh, 24-7, all of them. And when they lose, it's negative, you know. I mean, it's just oh, – yeah. that's oh, yeah. just what – social media, go on Twitter – after a loss, you know, I mean, it's negative. Facebook is negative. So, I mean, I don't worry about that. I mean, you know, hey, everybody's got an opinion. And the good thing about on Hogville, you can post your opinion and, you know, and it's free and you don't have to, you don't have to take 10 $15 a month and pay for something when you're getting it right there for free. And, you know, you can enjoy it and, and talk to other posters and you know, a lot of, got a lot of good stuff on there. Right. Well, we appreciate you being on tonight, Otis. Uh, Otis from hogville.com. Uh, y'all join up, log into their boards, be an avid poster. Uh, man, it's been a blessing to have you on tonight, Otis. Thank you guys for asking me. Like I said, I really, truly appreciate it. I, I do. And if I can ever help you any other way, let me know. Yes, sir. Uh, Come back again. Thanks Thank a lot, man. Anytime. Appreciate it. Yeah, just let me know. Thank you.
All right, Razorback fans, well, that is going to do it. Shout out to Mr. Otis Kirk. Thank you so much for stopping by and taking a little bit of time out of your day to talk with Jacob and I. But, Jacob, eight episodes, done and over with. Can you believe it already? Dude, this is what I look forward to every week, and it helps accelerate football season. So this is great. I love talking about it. Anything Razorback, any kind of news that breaks, I I just want to be all over it. Yeah, same here. Anytime there's something, a story that breaks, it revolves around – Arkansas around the around the athletic program. I'm just I know immediately. Oh, that's going to be so fun to talk about so, yes. on, on the on the podcast. So, well, that's going to do it, ladies and gentlemen. I am Ty Hudson from the Pig Trail Network YouTube channel, and this is Jacob Scott Davis from thehogpen.net. And a special shout out to everybody who is you know the engagements on social media. I think we just hit what was it a thousand total listeners on the podcast? Is that right? Yes, yes, that's right. That is right. You can catch it on uh, Stitcher, Anchor, Apple, Google Cast, uh, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. Can you believe it? We're on iHeartRadio, people. That's incredible. That's really cool. So. That's going to do it. Episode eight is done with Woo Pig, and we will see you guys on the next episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. All right, Razorback fans, it's time to reveal the winner of the Hog Talk Podcast giveaway. After hundreds of people tagging their friends in the comments, sharing and liking the status and, and the giveaway package, it's time to reveal the winner of the Hog Talk Podcast giveaway. The winner is Lene Thomas of Whitehall, Arkansas. Congratulations, Lene. And get with us on Facebook and message us to arrange a time and place to to uh, redeem your package. Thanks for everybody coming and playing. And thank you for con- your continued support of the Hog Talk Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.